Okay, let's begin our discussion of Parshas Chayisara, Tavshin Peidalid, uh, as we um, get into Shabbat Chevron. The Shabbos, uh, sadly, there won't be thousands of people in Chevron, but our hearts will be there. And Beth Hashem, um, I hope sometime soon um, there will be another uh, celebration. Uh, but it is a celebration of sorts. It's the, it's the Shabbos that we connect to Eretz Yisrael uh, in the deepest of ways, as we already spoke about uh, Avram Avinu a few weeks ago, ba- uh, walking and making a kinyan in the first uh, portion of Eretz Yisrael. Right, HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, walk around to be konel arkol arachba. And this week, of course, we have the first kinyan of property in Eretz Yisrael by Avram Avinu to bury his beloved, to bury his beloved wife. So let's get into some of the, uh, major topics that we have here in, uh, Chayasara, which is the burial of, of, uh, Sarah and the finding a wife for Yitzchak. And uh, we will also, Bezashem, have a couple of thoughts on the Haftorah, which are David Amalek's, uh, final days, as we will, as we will see. So, first, a question that we've dealt with in the past, uh, and that is the beginning of the parasha. Sarah dies, but Thomas Sarah Bikiasarbi Hebron, she dies. Remember, according to summary shown him, this was another Nisayon of Avram Avinu, that even after the Akedah, the um, the Satan tried again to um, get Avraham. He wasn't successful, successful in preventing the Akedah, but at least to get him to regret doing it. That didn't work. Avraham Avinu stands up. Before that. Avraham stands up to be maspid, to eulogize Sarah, and to cry for her. And the Mepharshim already pointed out that seems to be troubling the order. Usually, the automatic reaction, the first is cry, and then there's hespid, words of evaluation. Uh, intellectual, first is the emotional, and then the intellectual. First is the bechi, and then is the mispeid. And here's the opposite. Lispod l'sarav kosa. So I think the Nesiv talks about it. We've done that in pre- previous years. But this year, from Rav Moshe Feinstein. Says Rav Moshe, in source number one. Vayavo Avraham l'spod l'sarav v'liv kosa. V'lechora tamua ha-bechi yukodim hespid. The first few days are Bechi, then comes Hespid. So why is it out of order? The first burial of the first Jew, the first Leviah of the first Jew is out of order. Not of the first Jew, the first Jewish Leviah. What's Hespid? To speak about the great qualities of the departed. Through that, the hearts that are listening will be awakened to cry. In the days of old, the Mishnah and the Gemara talks about these to hire professional wailers in order to be able to make people cry and make people feel it. Where everybody in the seaboard knows how great the person is and they're a derakasher, you don't really need the hespid in order to Create the Bechi, it's natural. The Bechi comes because everybody realizes what a great person this was and what a loss it is, so they naturally cry. And then they'll have to give the Hespid. It's just the knowledge that the Tzadik, the righteous person, passed on. We realize the great loss. After that, after we get our composure, after days, then we could... Then we can awaken ourselves. But Avraham, who is he talking to? People who didn't know Sarah. People who were not crying. People who didn't know what Sarah gave to humanity. 
Aval bedor uve makom shal bnei ches shein yodim malasadik. They don't know what a righteous person is. Uhutzrach abagel yamri shonim lispo lasar. So Avram had to emphasize the hespid. Had to talk about the milas and the qualities of Sarah first. He even minimized, as the Mepharshim point out, it's a little letter in Livkosa. Livkosa, right, we have the little cuff, because he muted the personal Bechi, because he, he was trying to make sure the world understood who Sarah was. Lispolu Sarah, sheyedu af b'necheis, hefsid gadol, sheyesh b'misasa, even the b'necheis realized the tremendous loss through her, that was her death, v'rakaznes or Livkos, and then they will... Uh, and they will be awakened to, they will be awakened to cry. And that's why Abraham switched the order <coughs> in order to make sure the whole world knew, the whole world at that time, B'nai Ches and all of them knew who Sarah was and what she, and what she meant. Okay, they give another example, Soto Yud Gimel, uh, which we don't, we won't read, uh, right now. But we'll move over now to the second story. Yeah, we've spoken often years. We spent the entire time on the story of Avram and uh, Bnei Ches. So this year we'll already go to the second story. Avram is Zakin Baba Yamim. Chazal quote that he realizes he's not a young man and he has all these promises to fulfill, to be fulfilled, and he needs to get working doing his ishtablus. So Yitzchak Avinu is uh, is uh, an older single and he needs to find a wife. Avram Zakin Baba Yamim Vajem Berechaz Avram Makol. And Avram says, swear to me that you're going to take a wife for my, my son uh, from only certain uh, lands. Okay, he swears. So what happens after what's the first thing he does? What's the first thing that Eliezer, as we know him, uh, what is the first thing he does? He takes camels. Camels. There's a lot of focus on camels in the story, if we never noticed. The first thing Eliezer does, he gets ten camels. And he puts them on the camels. And he goes, He puts the camels down by the well. And then he says his tefillah. And then he says, you know, the, the test is going to be with the camels. The test is going to be, does he... Right? Do I get to drink or do my camels get to drink? It's part of the test. It's pretty unusual. The camels are just there for transport. And yet, no, they're, they're part of the test. Right, the na'ara that said, that I say to them, can I please have a drink? And she says, drink. And also the camels. That's going to be the one. And then we know Rivka comes out right then, and that's what happens. David says, "Can I please have some water?" She says, "Yes," and she says, "I'm going to give to the camels vatishav lechol gimalov." And right after that, he says, "Wow, vayish bishtayela machrish ladat asliachem darko imlo." So is it coming true? Next pasuk, vayikasher kilu agamalim lishtos more camels. Right, when they finished drinking, and then he waited for them to finish drinking. And he takes off and he gives her, gives her all the, uh, all the gifts, and then he says, who are you, as we know, and they, um, and they continue. And then later on she runs, just keep reading, they keep coming up. 
And she then uh, <laughs> they, she runs, and when they see that oh she has jewelry, Rachazal say that they thought he was coming with riches. They come to the man. Guess where he is? He's next to his camels. Why are you here? I don't. I don't only have a place for you. I have a place for your camels. The man brings him in, and he opens the muzzle of the camels. I didn't count, but there are many mentions of camels here. Later on, when he's talking about what Avram was blessed with, it's one of the assets. But it's focused on in the story. And Sarah has a, had a child, etc. And uh, please, we want to take uh, your wife and uh, your daughter. And, um, and I made the test with the camels. So what's going on here? You can look at the others. Says the Shemi Shmuel. Says the Shemi Shmuel. Just put in parentheses, the Meshachachma, the beginning of Ayishlach, has a different shot of the camels. Uh, we spoke years ago. But here the Shemi Shmuel says there's a message here. There's a message here about the camels. Something that I never really focused on before, before he pointed it out, and now you see, they're, they're all over. This is not coincidence. If it was just a nice thing and the travel option, they wouldn't have mentioned it so many times. What difference does it make? He had all the animals. Why does it emphasize the gemalim? Pasuk says, or the Medrash says in Vayikra, in Parsha Shmini, animals symbolize nations. Remember in Sefer Daniel, right? Each of the animals symbolized the vision that he had, the bear and the lion. So Gamal Zebavel. Camel is Bavel. Vihine. What's Bavel? Chazal say Bavel is from the word Balul, to be mixed up. Bavel never kisham Balal. Vizel iriv tovara, Balul, a mixture. A mixture of tov and rav, good and evil. Vamigdal vitsalmosel nevuchanetzer, shoyeshem chakuk befiv, the tower that, that nevuchanetzer built that Daniel talks about. Amru, he quotes his Zohar, mechal tahu rasha, bisra bachalvahave. The food of Nebuchadnezzar was Basar B'chalaf. It was a mixture. That's Bavel. Nebuchadnezzar was the king of Bavel. Mixture. Mixture of good and bad. Basar B'chalaf. What is that? A guy is allowed to eat Basar B'chalaf. Right? There's a lot of just, uh, there's a message here. But Ramatikim, and this is all well known. I guess if you know Zohar's. But we know, we know Avram's camels were unique. They were muscled. That's what caused the whole problem with Lot. He muzzled his camels so that they wouldn't take from other people's property and steal. Stealing is also a mixture. I take your money and put it into my pocket. Now there's a mixture of my money and your money. The Gezulogamki Indian Irif. Avinu was staying away from that. Avinu was staying away from mixtures. He muzzled his camels not to steal. Because every person's money is shayach to them. 
to themselves. Right, the Gemara Mesechas Beitza, that a person's animals are subject to their to the person's tchum. So if there's a mixture of somebody else's property, it's a mixture. The Avram Kasher Tikin is Chet Aitzadas. He's adding in a lot. The Shem Yishmuel. Remember back to the Chet of Adam and Chava. Many different Shatim. What exactly the Chet was? But the Rambam and others say there was a mixture. Right. It used to be that. Evil was, the Yetzirah, evil was outside of Avraham, and now it's going to become part of him. There was a mixture, a mixture of the Yetzirah, Tikin Eschet Yetzirah, Eruv Tovarah. There was a mixture, and Avraham was trying to be misakin that mixture. V'yolav nomar, sharlo eleich ba'atzas rishayim, zedor aflaga. So Avraham Avinu was being misakin and staying separate, keeping separate. That is why Avram Avinu didn't want uh, the camels to go out because that would steal and that would create mixtures. Avram Avinu's job was to separate, to be mavarer, to separate good from evil, right? It was 20 generations already since Adam. Adam to Noach to Avraham. He had to separate a lot. He had to be misakein. Hefech iriv tovarah. Opposite of the mixtures. The Alkain. So that's what Avram Avinu muzzled his camels. The Gamal, that camel symbolizes Bavel. Symbolizes being mixed up, Tov and Ra. But he muzzled his camels. They're covered. I don't want any mixture. And that's Avram Avinu. All the Avos were misakain, the, the, the sin. The Alkain. What's he doing by taking Rifka out of the house of Besuel and of Lavan? He's being mavarer. He's being borer. Alkain lahoti es rifka mibeis besuel v'lavan shubira tov me'ara ella al yedei mishahaya be'iruv tovarav v'nizbaru. Avravinu takes an animal that symbolizes tov and ra mixed up. He muzzles them to symbolize separateness, and then he goes and he takes rifka out from the birur. So the muzzling of the camel was the same symbolic type of action that he was doing by taking Rifka out from her from her environment. He quotes by Chazal. And that's what's the, the, the emphasis of the camels, the camels, the camels. Because Avram was going to a place of, of mixture, of Irbuv, of, of Tov and Ra, of Lavan. Right? Lavan, there's, was he, was there any, any, right, Bikish Lavan, Lakar Esako, right, the, 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 were there any, you know, um, Redeeming qualities of Lavan? Well, something, right? The, uh, the family, right? And, and Rivka came from somewhere, but Amravinu took it out. He was Mavara the Nitzotzot, so to speak, as the Shemishwa would say, and that's the emphasis of the camels. The muzzled camels of Avraham, that made all the, that made all the difference. And you could put this idea into the other places where the camels come up, and the fight that they had with the, with the Rowan, with the shepherds, there was a fundamental, um, fight of values. It wasn't just like, I don't want my camels to be, uh, muzzled, but there was something much deeper in the, uh, in the fight. Okay. Moving right along. So we have two major stories in the Parsha, as we know. We have Maris Machpelah being bought, and we have the leading up to and the ultimate marriage of Yitzchak and and um, and Rivka. So if you look in the Simon Labanim, which is Rav Kashtiel Sefer, um, he writes in source number three, so we have two Kinyanim in the Parsha. 
Interestingly, we have, kind of sounds like, the Gemara's drasha. The Gemara, in Mesechah's Kedushan Adabez, connects the marriage, Kenyan Kesef, to Kicha Kicha Mistei Ephron. Right, the, uh, the, the buying, the same Lashen is used. You learn even halachas and transactions. But let's see what the connection is between uh, that. There are two kinyanim. A kinyan means a transaction. It doesn't mean buying. Right, a, a man doesn't buy a wife. Right, he, he does a transaction, a kinyan, um, and then her status changes. She becomes an ashes ish. Hashem was kone the world. Kone Shemaim Varetz. He didn't buy the world, right? He created the world and in that way became the owner, became the Bailam, the Balabais of the world. So there are two Kinyanim that take place in this parsha. Rechisha Sadeh Ma'aras HaMachpela Avurk Verasa Shal Number one, buying the double cave. V'lekichasa Shal Rivka Le'isha Avur Yitzchak and the getting Rivka to be the wife for Yitzchak. Yes, sir, okay. And Chazal, as he just said, right? They connect. They connect the two. I can't not say it. Let me just take a parenthesis for a minute and say one of my favorites. Uh, that, you know, many asked, that's Russia of Kicha Kicha Miste Ephron, right? Uh, the Kenyan uh, the Kesef is connected to, by, uh, marriage is connected to buying the plot of land to bury Sarah. What? Buy, getting married is like buying a piece of property? Right? That's the question. No, just the opposite. The connection of a Jew to Eretz Yisrael is like a marriage. And that we always have to remember. And, Eric, and, the, and, the, and the marriage is eternal. And it doesn't matter if one of the partners is away for a certain amount of time or is not faithful for a certain amount of time, that marriage is eternal. And that's kicha kicha miste Ephron. Okay, end parentheses. And now back to our show. Says the Simon Labanim. So we have these two Kinyanim here. Yeser Achin, so Chazal, Chazal connect them. Chazal connect them. So let's get back to that in a moment. Says of Kashtiel, Maras Machpela, what's the double cave? So Chazal say, why is it a double cave? Because it has eight pairs, right? It has an upstairs and a downstairs, right? The, uh, different shatim, um, why it's, uh, what's the double? But he says maybe there's another idea. Last line, Ma Pesher, Shma Shalamara, Uma Mesamelet Kfeilusa. So says Rav Kashtiel, Papashtus, Right, he quotes Chazal. It had pairs. It had an upstairs and a downstairs. Whoever is buried in in Maris uh, gets double reward, double schar. Okay, but says he says midivrei Zohar. He says look in the Zohar Ole line four. Shakfilus mivatas ikaron ruchani. There's a spiritual doubling up here. That reflects the double, a double message to Midos, like a double Yerushalayim. Yerushalayim Shamala Vishamata. What does this mean? Says of Kashtiel, Shnei Yesodos Omdim Ruchani Shalanu. We know there are two bases, there are two foundations of our Ruchnias, and you cannot have one without the other. Ahava v'yira. Shnei arachim shekol avodas Hashem soveves sevivam. Right? Avodas Hashem and yiras Hashem. That's the basis of everything. To love God and to fear God. And it would make sense that the first Jewish couple in our history are Avinu and Imenu symbolize these two foundations. 
Avram Avinu is obviously Ahava. Ava. Avram is called Avram Oavai. Oavi. Avram Avinu is Ava. Zera Avram Oavi. Ava Mon Gayim. Venivra Chuvachal Kal Mishpachos Adama. Avram was all about being open to the world and sharing and parading and, and getting everybody going out there. No boundaries. Just get everybody. Have the spiritual parade. Lu'umato, Sarah makes boundaries. Sarah says, Av is great. But you also have to have year. You have to protect. You have to, the Ava is just going to be, it's going to make us diluted. We're not going to be able to guard ourselves if there are no boundaries. Yira symbolizes by boundaries. Yira, boundary means you can't go past. Lumato sara imein b'parshas vayera. Right, what you do last week? Throw Yishmael out. Toreshes me avram legareshes hagar v'yishmael. Drisha shomedes b'stira l'kol chazano agadol shal avraham. Asking Yishmael to leave is against the mahus of Avram Avinu. Avram Avinu wants to bring the whole world under his tent, and he can't keep his own son under his tent. But guess what? Hashem says to Avram, listen to your wife. Listen to your wife. It's not just about Ahava. And Sarah explains herself. Sarah has a long-term view. Don't just tell me how many right now. On that, on that future, Isha Yiras Hashem Itasala, he quotes. Midas Hayir Misayaas Biyada Lishmar Alabayas. Her separation, her putting boundaries out, protect, along with Avraham's Ahava. So now Sarah's gone. And what does Avraham do in this parsha? Says of Kashiel, fascinating. He acts like Sarah. He does what Sarah would have done. What does he do? He buys a specific, particular piece of land to be buried in. This is going to be the Yerusha and the Kfura of my people, my nation. It's not a free-for-all and everybody gets buried. We're all one and we're all one nation and we're all monotheists. So it says you've got to have borders. <laughs> Right? So specific. Avram keeps saying, I want that cave next to those trees, next to that sada. A specifically described piece of land. There are borders here. There's a specific piece of area that's going to be mine. It's not going to be anybody else's. This isn't just going to be, what was Avram's tent? It was open on all four sides. It was open to the world. Come in, come out. Sarah says, you got to have your own spot. you got to be strong. Yira. Right? And that's um, that's, that's what's noted here. Kinyin asadim avateh, territorial yot lu'umit. Right, it's it's getting an, a national area. Hamashlima uma'azenes es ha'ava harachava. 
It balances. You need Avram Zava too. If you're too much Yira, then you'll be totally closed off. You won't have any any hashpa on the world. You need the Avram's hashpa and influence. But it's got to be balanced. It's got to be balanced. And that's what he quotes from Rav Kook. Also, this balance. But that's what that's what Avram does. And then what does he do in the second? In the second story, turning the page now. Or even before that, before we get to the second one. But furthermore, in the in the in the conversation that he has with the Bnei Ches, right? He starts off, and we know he's an adin, and he is acting with humility and with meekness. Right? Please, not. But then, when he's got to stand up for his rights, and he's got to stand up for what he believes in and what he knows Sarah would want, and what does Rashi say? You want me to be a ger, I'll be a ger and buy from you. You want me to be the toshav, I'll stand my ground. Excuse me, and I'll take it. Right? Yodea Avram ladaber benech ratzut. Ger, enter tu arini ger vim lave a toshav et slanam adin. Shamal ya kadosh baruchu lezarachah etenes aratzazos. Avram medaber gamas vas hayira. And that's what's in Marzma Pelitz, the mid of Avram and the mid of Sarah. It's both midos. And you have to go through, he does a little bit, maybe in the continuation of each of the avos and the imos, you also have that. Yitzchak is for sure, Yira. Yitzchak is for sure, that's his whole essence. But then he says, he continues in the parsha. what does Avram say? You know, I want to find the wife for Eliezer. Okay, let's find somebody. No, 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 no. Not from here. From a specific place and a specific, I give you specific instructions. Limited. Just like the, just like the Kvura. Lotikach Yishol It's not just Ava. This is a Sara type of Mida. Again, limiting, watching over borders. See, he says, fascinatingly, Chayasara, we usually think, Chayasara is not about Chayasara at all. Right? She died. It's not about her at all. It's all about Sara. The whole Parsha has Sara's imprint on it. Because Avraham acts like her. And Avram, maybe knowing that she's gone now, he has to have that balance. It's in his mind. He has to have that. Avram no Kate on line 25. Amazing. Right, and that's what he, that he continues. He continues until Rivka came along. He couldn't find Nechama, as the Psukim say later on. But again, this is, this is Chayasara. And these are the two Midos, and this is Maras Hamachpela, the cave of the double Midos, double Midos that we Yarshins to take us, uh, to have in our life as the basis for all of our Avodas Hashem, the Ahava and the Yir. Okay. So he finds a wife for Yitzchak, and Brings her back after the whole story, and it's repeating again and again. And then finally, Yitzchak comes back onto the scene. Yitzchak has disappeared. We've spoken about that in other years. After the Akedah, Yitzchak does not return to Avraham. Does not return with Avraham to the Nar. A Rebbe of Rosenzweig once said, Yitzchak stayed on Har Hamoriah. Doesn't have to be literally, but Yitzchak's life was a life of Akedah. A life of Ola Tamima, a life of Kedusha. He never left the Akedah. He did, physically. But maybe the Torah is reflecting that, but not even saying that he left. Avram and they went back. 
But Yitzhak did. And then all of a sudden we find him coming from Berlachai Rui. Yitzhak bom mi bo Berlachai Rui, vu Yoshi Beretza Negev, Vayeti Yitzhak lasuach basade, lifnos erev. Yitzhak comes out lasuach basade. Lasuach basade, we know Chazal Darshan, lasuach basade, mincha. Yitzhak David mincha. Avram Avinu is besakein shachris, Yitzhak mincha, and Yaakov Mayrif. Says the Tosefes Bracha. Rebarach Halevi Epstein. Source number six. Yislak Tikin Tilas Mincha. Quoting this Pasik. Vain Sicha Elatvila. Shneem Ratvila Oni Kiyato. Falafne Hashem Yishpoch Sichos. He says Sicha and Tvila in the same Pasik in, in uh, Tehillim. So what does Lasuach mean? What does Lasuach mean? What exactly does that mean? So we know it's, uh, Enlifar Lasuach Me'inyun Tiyul. Lamatina Bechala Mikra. Paul Zeb Benuvan Tiyul. It means Dibor. Yislak spoke. Tiyach is to speak. Good. And he's having mincha, but Tosfus is already bothered. He doesn't quote the Tosfus, but it's Tosfus' question. In Arvi Psachim, why is mincha called mincha? Shachris is called Shachris because of Shachar. Mayriv, or Arvis, is called that because of Erev. It's at night. So the other two names of our Tfilos, we know, are based on the time. But mincha, mincha means a present, so why is Mincha called Mincha? Right, if you look in the Rambam, Menuchas Malachim, the Rambam says, he davened another tefillah, Lifnos Erev. Right, Lifnos. I don't know, we could come up with some other name. Saharayim. So why is it called Mincha? So Tosavis has his answer. So the Tosavis Bracha, the Torah Tamima here, puts together two sources. One we've already mentioned years ago. Chayisara, and one we didn't, and he puts the two together and comes up with a pshat. So what are the two sources he puts together? He takes a tour and he takes a gemara. The tour. He says, line 15. Ma shenire li betchunas sheimzeh v'yichusa l'tfilas ha-tzaharayim. Why is this the afternoon tefillah? Apim ha-shekosef ha-tour. The tour in Arachayim, Reish Lama Beis. This is a crucial tour for Mincha. Every man, every woman. Many posts can say, right? Women have to have a mincha too. The Gemara says in the first parak of brachas, The Gemara says that we have to be extra special careful about mincha. Why? Explains the tour. Because it's the most challenging tefillah to get done. You wake up in the morning, you go daven. Okay, it's hard, but you gotta go daven. Okay, fine. You go straight to shul. Before you get involved in your day, you daven, you daven shachris. is also my riv at night. The day's done. You're not in the middle of anything. You wake up in the morning before you go to sleep at night. Mincha. You're in the middle of a thousand things. mincha she Right when a person is making a business deal, especially now, and the, maybe it's not coincidental, Chayisar usually comes, down, comes out right after you change the clock. And now it's short days, and now all of a sudden, you got to get into the find the early mincha mode. So the Torah says, mincha is the hardest. You're in the middle of a thousand things, you got to stop, and you got to go daven. doesn't matter what else is going on. The Torah says that's why Mincha is beloved in the eyes of Hashem. Because you're in the, it's harder. It's more challenging. 
You have to sacrifice. You have to sacrifice. You have to stop what you're doing and daven. Source number one. Then source number two. The Gemara Menachas Daf Kuftal. The end of Masechas Menachas. The Gemara tells us we know the nefesh in the second parak of Yayikra. The nefesh kizakrav mincha. When the soul brings a mincha, the nefesh as chazal. It doesn't say nefesh by any other karbanos. It says Adam. Why does it say nefesh kitakrav mincha? Why that word? So Chazal tell us. Rashi quotes this in, in Vayikra also. mincha Why by the carbon mincha? What's a carbon mincha? A flower carbon. Flower, oil, frankincense. That's it. So why does it say the word nefesh by a carbon mincha? Just skip the word. You don't have to say the word nefesh. Like it says, v'minchas karbano. So the answer is because Hashem is telling us who brings a carbon mincha? Who doesn't have enough money to bring an, uh, um, a sheep or a cow or even a bird? An ani. So imagine, imagine going to the base of Migdash. I'm online. I'm online. It's a busy day in the base of Migdash. I'm online, find 10 other people. The Kohanim are taking the Karbanas that I see in front of me. There's three cows. There's two sheep. There's a couple of, I don't know, there's a woman who just had a baby. She has a couple of birds. It's all very nice. And then I got my little, little sack of flour. Oh, what are you bringing? Oh, wow, nice animal. Bringing an, an adava? Wow, yeah. Carbon, carbon toda. Very nice. Yeah. I, I forgot it was Shabbos, Bachal Shabbos. A little embarrassing, but you got a nice animal you're giving. And I got my little thing of oil and flour. Amar HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Midarko Lahavi Mincha. Ani. Ma'alavanavki Yidhikrif Nafsholafana. You know what it says? Nefesh by the Mincha. Hashem says, I don't care what you're bringing. You're bringing it with your heart. This is, I take this just like I take the other cow. Just like I take it. Because you give your nefesh. Nefesh, when you give of what you have, that's why carbon mincha, it says nefesh in the Torah. Says the Tosefis bracha, put together the words of the Torah, that mincha is challenging and it's hard in the middle of the day, you got to stop working. It's not like when you roll out of bed or right before you roll into bed. Mincha is harder. But then you put this together. Mincha, carbon mincha, symbolizes sacrifice and heart and put your heart into it. Nefesh. So that's why Mincha is called Mincha. Because Hashem looks at Mincha and says, okay, I got you. I realize that you're putting your Nefesh into it. Line 30. A person is in the middle. You leave it. This tefillah. It's as if you gave your nefesh. Like the Oni is Kilu gave his nefesh because it was challenging to him. This is all, it's all he has. Okay, good, I accept it. So too is challenging to all of us. That's why Mincha, that's that special quality that Hashem looks down on. And maybe you could call it a present. We're giving a present to Hashem. The Oni is giving a present to Hashem and Mincha is a present to Hashem um, as well. Okay, moving right along. So we have now... Baruch Hashem, Sarah is buried. Yitzchak has a wife. And Yaakov has a bunch more children. And then Avram has a bunch more children. And then Avram dies. Avram lives to a ripe old age of 175. And the passage says, He dies. What's this? How we translate the Right? In uh, wonderful years. The Sivu Tava, right, Uncle says, 
Really? He, has, he was promised a nation where you can't even count the descendants. He has one son. Two sons. But one. He was promised a land that is flowing with milk and honey. Not exactly, but an amazing land. What has he got? He had to pay millions of shkalim to get a tiny little cave. But he died to save a tova. Save a tova. So Rabbi, Rabbi Sachs here in uh, source number seven, he talks about one of the world's oldest men, the world's oldest man who died on his short of his 114th birthday, a religious Jew, children. Okay, Bakulu, he talks about it. He lived through the Holocaust. Lived through the Holocaust. If you turn the next page, he asks this question. Look in the middle of where it says page 22. Avram Avinu dies in good old age, old and satisfied. His is the most serene death in the Torah. Yet consider his life fraught as it was with trial after trial. To pursue the call of God, he had to say goodbye to his land, his birthplace, his father's house, and travel to an unknown destination. Twice, famine forced him into exile. Promised countless children. He remained childless until old age. God told him, send away his son. He didn't want to send them away. And if that wasn't enough, right? God then told him to sacrifice his only son, which led to the death of his wife. Seven times promised a land. When Sarah died, he owned not a single square inch of territory in which to bury her. V'chulu. But what was Avraham's attitude? What was Avraham's attitude? What was this? He, he, I skipped. I didn't talk about it. This old man who lived through the war. What was his attitude? You look forward. You look at what you have. You look to build. What did Avraham do in the parsha after he suffered tragedy? He bought. He did the first step. And he got a wife for his son. He says eventually, he says, Rabbi Sachs writes, how was it that the Holocaust survivors, I wondered how they were able to survive at all, having seen what they saw and know what they knew. Eventually I realized what they had done. When the war was over, most focused with single-minded intensity on the future. Or if not on the future, then on the present, taking it day by day. They did not look back. Instead, strangers in a strange land, they built homes and careers, married and had children, and brought new life into the world. It's impossible to generalize. Every life is different, every story unique. But this is what I discovered, says Rabbi Sachs. In most cases, they did not talk about their experiences during the Shoah, even to their spouses, their children and their closest friends. This silence lasted in many cases for as long as 50 years. My grandparents never spoke about it. We don't know most of how they survived. And their whole family was wiped out in Auschwitz. My father's parents and family. We don't know. They never spoke about it. They looked forward. They looked forward and built a family. Only then, after building, when the future they had built was secure, did they allow themselves, some of them, to look back and bear witness to what they had suffered and seen. They focused on the future. This is what Avram did in this parsha. He received three promises from God. Children, a land, and he'd be the father of many nations. And at the age of 137, one married son, no land, father, no nations. No complaint. But when Sarah died, he kept going forward. And he kept continuing what he had to do. That's Sevatova. Sevatova means I continue until my last breath to do what's in my control. And to do what I can. And that's what... 
Um, he writes all the way at the end. This is what the Jewish people did collectively when a mere three years after standing eyeball to eyeball with the angel of death at Auschwitz, David Ben-Gurion proclaimed the Jewish state in our people's ancient homeland, the land of Israel. And he says at the end, to survive tragedy and trauma, first build the future and only then remember the past. And obviously, if I may ben Yavin, we have, to have that now. Build on the future, but we can't focus. Build on the past, but we can't focus on the past. Because focusing on what happened too much will paralyze us. We have to try to give help to those who need help, but look towards the future, and in that way build a future, and there will be time. will be time again to remember as well. Okay, relating to this, found a fascinating thought in the Medrash. In the Medrash. First, you have it here in source number 10, Midarki Aparsha, that's from Ramonachai Greenberg, the former Rosh Hashiva of, uh, of Yeshiva's Karen He quotes a Rambam, the letter in Igeret Teman, and then he talks about it, and this is about Yishmael. This is about Yishmael. Towards the end of the Parsha, towards the end of the Parsha, you have a Pusik that does not seem exciting whatsoever. At all. Right? We have the descendants of Yishmael. And there's a three-word Pusik in Pusik Yudalid, right before Maftir. Mishma, Duma, and Masa. I don't think I would ever give it to our Torah about that Pusik. Mishma, Duma, and Masa. Three names of descendants of Yishmael. But there's a medrash on Mishma, Duma, and Masa. The Rabbi uh, Greenberg quotes it on line 7. Shma, listen, don't be quiet, saw, and carry, and schlep and suffer. This is what Yishmael does to us. Yishmael forces us to listen throughout thousands of years. They want us to suffer and be quiet and just live with it. And that's what the Rambam writes in Igeret Teman. I gave you uh, one paragraph of the Rambam's letter in the next source. It says that's, he describes uh, Yishmael and what they try to do. This is what they try to do. They try to they cause us to suffer and we're quiet for so long. The Rambam, he knew what, it, what Islam meant. Right? He lived uh, amongst them. But now Midarki Aparshi continues. Everybody continues. Look on the bottom right. Talmidei Ha'ari Kasvu. We know the four Galios. So the four Galios, Bavel and Paras and Yavan and Rome. They were all anti-God. Anti the God of the Jews. And their killing us and torturing us was all about, because they were anti, they were anti he built a, t- a title, Rome is Christianity. Right? Negedas Yisrael. Lu'umatan, Yishmol Hamam in Bemunas Ayichud. Muslims believe in Hashem. Right? They believe in Hashem. Eidon Ilcham Negedadas. They're not ultimately at root against Judaism, but against the Jew. El Mavakish Lahashmanes Yishmol. They just want to destroy the nation. Al Yishmal Namar, as we read last week, Adam. As the Mepharshim point out, usually when you describe a person, you say Adam Gadol. He's a big person. You have the noun first and then the adjective. So it should say Adam Prai. No, no, no. It's Para Adam. Because some of the nation, there can be animals that look like people. Para Adam, as we've seen recently. Para, that's what Rav Hirsch says. Para hu mishenu makabal marus. There's no authority. Shenu lav kol shibud. 
Right? So, Lechoraki, Yishmael, Matzino, Tarji, the Sasri, he writes. Yishmael has opposites. On the one hand, they believe in the Boreolam, but they don't think the Boreolam has anything to tell them. What do you mean? What do you mean? All of their suicide missions are in the name of God. Look what he says. Unbelievable. Ba'od Yisrael. Yisrael is Yashar Kel. Straight to Hashem. What does that mean? Miyashrim Atzmam Lekivun Kel. We find where Hashem is and we connect ourselves and direct ourselves to Him. Basically, He's in charge and we position ourselves straight with Him. He's the anchor and we fluctuate to try to make sure that we're connected to Him. Yishmal is the opposite. Yishmal does whatever they want and they try to hijack God for their purposes. It's not that God is there and I have to fit into his world. I'm doing what I think I want to do and then I'll say it's in the name of God. What does it say? Last week, Hashem heard their voice. That's what they live by. I'm going to do it. Hashem's going to listen to my voice. They say God listens to me. They're always talking about God. Everything they do, right? Everything. They have holy wars. Right? It's all in the name of God, but it's just the opposite. Right? We have God, and we try to position ourselves connected to God. They do whatever they want, and they say, "Oh, it's in the name of God," because they try to get God to listen to them. And that's our root, what we've seen for thousands of years. Most recently, most recently in our, in our door. So we have to recognize the power of Yishmael, what they fight for, and how we have to daven. We have to daven for HaKadosh Baruch Hu to rid the world of any of these, any of these forces. Okay. Moving right along. Again, that just happened to, happened to come upon it this year. Okay, two thoughts on the Haftorah. Two thoughts on Aftar. We have an Aftarah, Chayesara, right? This parsha is the end of Avram's life, and we have the end of David's life. Beginning of Sefer Malachim. Malachim Aleph, Perak Aleph. Vamelach David Zakein. Baba Yamin. Sefer Malachim. Who wrote Sefer Malachim? Who wrote Sefer Malachim? Yermio Anavi. Yermio Anavi wrote Sefer Malachim. Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky, who knew everything. And he writes so much on everything, including on Tanakh, which is great. So on Sefer Malachim, Rabbi Yaakov explains why, why, what was the need for Yirmiyoh Anavi b'shas Churban Beis Hamikdash, right? As Malachim, the Churban is the end of Sefer Malachim, so right then he wrote it. So again, you might say because no doubt now it was finished. Now it was finished. It only finished because he decided to write it then, and he wrote it up until his own time. So Rabbi Yaakov says, no, there was a message here. Sefer Malachim was a message written at the time that we were going into Gullus. At the time that we were being exiled, and it looked like the extinguishing of Malchus Beis David. That's what it looks like. That's what it looked like. Your Mio has to write that no. You have to know Malchus Beis David, every detail, who was in the line, because it's not going away. Right? Zerubbabel is going to come back. It's going to continue. 
Venira line 10. Shenitztave Yermio Lachtov Sefer Zeb Bishas Achurban. Yermio was told to write this Sefer Malachim right at the moment of the Churban. Bishas Shebene Yisrael. Yetsu Me'eret Yisrael Agalus. Vamalukhim Yisrael Paska. Vahalulu Mahargish. Sof Shalam Yisrael. This is the end. We're done. Lachin Nechtav Zeh. Kadesh Yizkru Yimos Ola Me'oz. Remember David HaMelech. Remember Malchus. Based David. The whole line. To Shlomo. To the end, v'yedu mi'em b'nei Yisrael, know our history. V'ezo historia mefu'ara, mefu'ara, as Yishlehem. V'shasetzidim lachzor l'dargasa. Know the whole history because we're going to build on it. Ki karoseinu heim akol api ashgacha. U'kshiachzu b'tshuva, yisukan amatzav shalom Yisrael. It's going to come back. See, he wrote the story of Malchus based David. The first 20 or so generations to remind Klai Yisrael, this is not a history, this is not done, that you can just forget him. No, remember Malchus based David, because it's not over. It's not over, it's going to continue, and it's going to come back in 70 years or so, when we are, when we are deserving. One other thought on a Pasuk in the Parsha. So we know, in the, in Torah. So we know what happens, David is on his deathbed, and he has trouble until his last days. He's sick, he's cold, and then what happens? One of his sons tries to usurp the throne. Adonio. Adonio tries to get it instead of Shlomo Amalek. And they have to come in and do a whole story with Bacheva. The Gemara says that Adonio says, right in the Pasuk, in the Haftarah, I'm going to be the king. And the Pasuk says, you have it there, it's quoted in Source 13. It's quoted in the Mishpat Zav. It's a beautiful Likud from a Rav Rubin in Yerushalayim today. I'll review the Marav. Shebikesh lahomo. Velohomaso. David Amalek had a crown. And whichever king was supposed to be the king, it fit his head. There was like a ridge. There was a ridge in the head of all the kings of Malchus based David. And the crown fit right on. So Adonio tried to put it on. It didn't fit. Didn't fit. Right? Shabikish lahom of Alohamaso. Rashi quotes. There was a line there. It was like a ridge. And had to fit right in. Didn't fit. That's a nace. There was a nace that took place. What's the message of that medrash? You have to fit yourself into the crown. You can't try to put the crown on you if it doesn't fit. Right? Similar to what we were just saying. Similar to what we were just saying. Right? You're putting the crown of God on you? We all wear keser. Keser Torah is for all of us. We gotta fit into the crown. If the crown doesn't fit, that means we have to, we have to change our head. We have to make it fit. We can't try to force it if we're something else and we're not letting it fit. That's, that's a problem. If we fit ourselves to be someone who, to accept the Kesser Torah, then it'll fit. Beautiful. You wanna squeeze the crown on if it doesn't fit? So that's, I'm going to rule, that's not going to work. So we have to fit ourselves. We have to fit ourselves into what HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants. We have to fit ourselves into, and that's, and that's part of what the, what the world, what humanity is fighting against right now. What we're trying to eradicate are those that say, I'm going to decide what God is going to like. That's not what we do. That's not what we do. We know what HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants. We know the light that is the Torah and the mitzvos and the Arla Goyen that we're supposed to be, Beth Hashem, we should have the Siyat of the Shmaya to on all fronts, on all fronts to be able to spread light 
and be able to be Mamlach HaKadosh Baruch Hu uh, as Hashem and be Mamlachim with Binyan Beis HaMikdash B'mher of Yameinu.